Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. the presence of God came on me so strong and I just began to weep under the presence of God and if you've ever experienced that it's not a it's not a sad thing it's it's just it's such a an amazing thing when the presence of God comes on you and when you, uh, you have one of those uh, just those times where you, you, you just cry have you ever had just those those cries at times where it's like it just flushes you out it just makes you feel new it's like Man, God, you just did something right there when, 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 I, when I experienced your presence. And it was one of those things, and it was in that moment that I was knew, knew that I was called to be in ministry at a very young age. And I'm saying that, that in the house of God, in the church, where family was together, is where I began to find purpose. And I thank God for having a mom and a dad that raised me up in church. Man, they were not perfect by any means. They had their stuff just like everybody else does. But they said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And they had us in church whenever it was open. Come on. A lot of you raised your hands saying we were in church as kids or we grew up in church. If you were like me. Now, again, the culture's changed. We obviously understand that. But back in the day, I mean, you were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And you liked being there. You did you, you you didn't have any problem being there. You enjoyed it. Amen? Just because there was the fellowship. In fact, I remember that little church that I was telling you about. They had this contest. They had this contest of who could bring the most people to church. And they, they put together and made a 10-foot Snickers candy bar. And whoever brought the most people got the 10-foot Snickers bar. And I was calling Grandma and Grandpa and Uncle Joe and whoever else I could call. You know, come, I need to get you to come to my church so I can get a number on my on my, my quota. You know what I mean? And so it just caused you to have a desire to be in church. But being in church as a young boy, the pastor and his family introduced me to what was called Bible quizzing. And Bible quizzing was this thing where young people would learn the scriptures and they would compete against other churches in, in, in the district or in Michigan. You'd have the district that you were in and then you went to the state meet. And so for three years I was in Bible quizzing and I was learning the Word of God. And then Satan got involved and had my mother become the coach. (laughs) I mean, you talk about drill sergeant. I'm like, holy cow. But I thank God that I had a mom that said, if you're going to be in Bible quizzing and if you're my son, you're going to be the best. And I'm so thankful. I mean, in the moment, I'm thinking, do I really got to study for an hour? Get up there. If you don't shut up, you're going to study for two hours. I'm like, okay, I'll take an hour. But she made it a requirement for me to learn the Word of God. And at at a young age, the Word of God was beginning to shape and mold me as to who I was to become. And began to shape my thinking and beginning to know who God was. And at a very young age, because of the word of God that was getting on the inside of me, I began to develop a relationship with God. How many of you know that God thinks big? 
How many of you know that God has great expectations? In fact, He says, my ways and my thoughts are higher and bigger than your thoughts. He says, I've got desires and dreams of a future and a hope for you. And listen, they're far beyond your imagination. And as a young boy getting the Word of God stored up on the inside and learning who God was, I began to grow in my faith and expectation with God. And I began to expect things out of life. And again, that ties in with purpose because, again, God wants your purpose to be beyond what you can do in the natural because He wants us to be able to trust Him, right? And I can remember just beginning to have big dreams and expectations, so much so to the point that there was times that my parents says, Stop it. You're a dreamer. You're thinking too big. You're being unrealistic. And they weren't being mean. They were just trying to help me be level-headed. But what was taking place? It was the engrafting of God's Word in me as a young child because mom and dad had me in the house of God. And as a result, I started thinking bigger. Amen. I don't want my thinking to be limited. And that's such the tactic of the enemy is to squash our thinkings, our hopes, our feelings, our expectations for this life. How many of you are on Facebook? Raise your hand if you are. Don't be bashful. Come on. I, I, there's, this isn't a judgment thing here. Are you on Facebook? Come on, raise them big. All right, a lot of you. Some of you just, listen, I'm not going to get on you. God don't mind you if you're on Facebook, so it's okay if you say so. <laughs> but have you ever seen those people on Facebook that every remark, every comment is like, boo-hoo. Oh, it's bad. It's going to be a bad day. And everything out of their mouth is negative. There is no hope. There is no expectation. And if there is expectation, it's expectation to think that things are going to be bad. Right? God wants you to dream. Wants you to have an expectation of purpose in your life. And there's something to be said for the house of God. God ordained it and orchestrated for the house of God, the church, to be a significant place in your life. Now, understand, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the body of Christ. We as people that come to church make up the body of Christ. I cannot do life without you. You can't do life without me. We can't do life without each other. I need you. You need me. And apart from that, we just wander around in life Sucking our thumb, thinking, dear God, is this as good as it gets? Right? We need each other. In fact, when we look in the Scripture, God placed a high, a, a, a high priority and made the church, the temple, a focal point of life. When you look in the Old Testament, when God set His people free from Egypt, you remember Moses led them out of Egypt. They were enslaved for 400 years. He took them out into the wilderness, and then he said, listen, I want you to fashion a temple, a tabernacle, a church. And in that place is where my presence will abide. In that place is where you'll find restoration. In that place is where you'll find healing. In that place is where you'll find protection. In that place is where you'll find provision. And when God said, build the tabernacle, the church, the temple this way. He said, now all the tribes of Israel surround that tabernacle. 
And the scripture tells us, and this theologian tells us, there's roughly around 3 million people. And as they gathered around the temple, all the temple, or all the people of their tribes, faced the temple. They were very strategic in how they were placed as they surrounded the temple, and they all faced the temple by the instruction of the Lord. Why was that? Because God said, I want your focus to be on the place where my presence is. I want your attention to be focused on the central theme of my heart for you to find me. And when you begin to look at that, and if you look at the scripture, you'll find that there was always people that were opposing the children of Israel. There was always nations that were trying to conquer them. There was always the enemies that were trying to overpower them. And it's still that way today, isn't it? Now, strategically speaking, that don't make sense. It don't make sense for those to be on the outer, uh, outer courts of, of the tribes to be faced toward the tabernacle. Because if you're faced in, you don't have protection or you can't see what's coming. But God says, listen, face where I am. Why? Because everything about the temple was to point to Jesus. Everything about what, what God was orchestrating was to point to the one that was coming to set man free. And notice what the scripture says here. The scripture says this in Isaiah 52 verse 12. It says, for you shall not go out with haste, nor go out by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Listen to this one. In Isaiah 58 verse 8 it says this, Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory or the presence of God will be your rear guard. So not only was the presence of God in the center, it enveloped them. And he said, listen, keep your focus. Keep the priority of your life. Focus to where the presence, where I am. Because in that place is freedom. In that place is deliverance. In that place is protection. In that place is restoration. And I'll cover your back. My presence covers your back. I'm back there guarding it. Don't even worry. Amen? I don't know if you've ever lived a life where you're always looking over your shoulder, but it's not fun. Right? Now, I know you would never expect this of me. Now, again, I'm going way back when. But there was times that I would go to the, the clubs and the bars with my friends. And I always hated that. Now, again, I'm talking 30 years ago or so. <laughs> Tells you how old I am. But we'd go there, and I hated it. Because in that place, I was always looking over my shoulder. I never could have a good time because there was always somebody that had that look at you. And I was the kind that, well, I'm going to back down. You're going to look at me, I'm going to look at you. You're going to say something, I'm going to say something to you. You're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you. Right? And so I never enjoyed that atmosphere. Because I was always looking over my shoulder. Have you ever come in contact with somebody that's always got a chip on their shoulder? Just, just waiting for you to knock it off. It's just like, come on, just get rid of the chip. Quit living life with a chip on your shoulder. Quit living life expecting the worst. Quit living life as though somebody's always against you. Well, the Bible says if we'll keep our focus, if we'll keep God's 
church, and again, we're not talking about a building. He says, because the church always points to Jesus. And Jesus brings freedom. Jesus brings healing. Jesus brings protection. He said, I'll be your rear guard. And notice what it says here in Psalms 122, verse 1. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Come on, how many of you woke up this morning and said, it's Sunday. Woo! And so I can't wait to get there. Some of you are like, "Uh, do we have to go today? Some of you guys said, maybe the wife won't make me go today. (laughs) Some of you wives have said, I hope my husband leads us into church this morning. But notice what it says. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why is there an expectation, a desire of gladness going to the house of God? Not because of the building, not because of the good coffee, not because of the worship or the preaching or the teaching. It's because in the house of God, we find Jesus. Everything about the house of God points us to Him. Right? I mentioned to you that we just went to these meetings this uh, past few days. And it's so awesome getting in these meetings because there's those people that you know, ministers that you know, but then you come in contact with a lot of people that you don't know because they're coming from out of town. I mean, we met some people uh, this time that, you know, they came from Canada, they came from uh, Illinois, uh, some from Atlanta, some from uh, Louisiana. And these are people that you don't know. But all of a sudden, you start talking with them and hanging out with them. And there is a connection. And you just show this love being with them. You feel like you've known each other forever. And then there's those ones that you haven't seen for a long time. Other ministers that you've done life with at some point in time. And all of a sudden, you, you start getting caught up. And it's just like... Man, it's been five years, but it's, we just caught up. It's like we just, we never had any time in between us. You know why? It's because we're all part of the same family. Right? In fact, if you remember over in the book of Acts, the Bible says that when, when James and Peter, when they were imprisoned, it says that they were finally released from prison, but it, they went back to their own company. There's something to be said to being a part of a company. A local church. Do you realize not that, that not every church is the church that we should be a part of? Not to say they're bad churches. I'm just saying God has a company of people that he wants to hook you up with. And it's in that place that you begin to walk out and live out your purpose. Because it always points to him and you grow in that relationship with God. Aren't you glad? Just like I said, I had a mom and a dad. That poured into me and helped cultivate a relationship with God. God orchestrated for me to be their son. And he blessed them to make me their son. (laughs) He blessed me too. You get my point? God desires for us to come to the house of God. And when we do, with gladness, it always points us to having a relationship with God. With Jesus. God desires us to cultivate that relationship with him. And in that, if you recall, we said this. Let me read this again in Isaiah 58, verse 8. It says, Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. 
and your righteousness shall go before you. The temple, the presence of God, everything about that was to point to the righteousness that would come through Christ. When we come into the house of God, God begins to stir up and cultivate an awareness, a reality of our righteousness in Him. In fact, it says that there is a redemptive work that took place when Jesus died on the cross. And there is a revelation that we can begin to grow in a knowledge of that redemptive work and the righteousness of who we are. I know for some that might be churchy words, but you can't get away from that word of righteousness. And righteousness simply means right with God. Everything in the Old Testament was all about trying to get right with God. Jesus showed up and made us right with God. If you've asked Christ into your heart, the Bible says you've become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You will never become more righteous than the day you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You can grow in your understanding of it, but you'll never be more righteous than that day because Jesus said, I paid the price, it was finished, and when you said, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, he made you brand new right there on that moment. There is a understanding that God desires for us to know. In fact, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus was speaking and He says, and I say all this unto you, or also unto, unto you, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There have been those that have read that and said, oh, we built the church upon Peter. No, if you back up, He asked Peter, he says, who do people say that I am? He said, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're a prophet. He says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the son of the living God. You are him. You're the one that came to redeem us. And he said, upon this understanding, that's what the church will be built upon. My desire is for when we come to church, every time we come to church, we begin to understand how much God loves us. And the only way you'll understand of how much God loves you if you'll understand how right you are with God. You'll come in saying, oh God, man, I messed up yesterday, last week, last night. God, we blew up at the kids. In fact, we were streaming and shouting the whole way in, pulled into the parking lot, put our smile on, and we walked into church. But I'm not feeling real great. It's not based upon what you do or don't do. The Bible says you're right with God. Come on, think about that. If you thought and knew emphatically, I'm right with God, how much confidence would you have to spend time with Him? How many times do we know that people don't come to church because they're feeling guilty and feeling shameful? But God says it's not based upon what you did. It's based upon what I did. So you can come here knowing that you're free. That you're right with me. Amen. Oh, that's so good news. I just love knowing that God loves me. There's been times that I've I've struggled with that because I've felt so many times that I've let God down. Have you ever felt that way before? God woulda, coulda, shoulda. But how many of you know that 
God knew before the foundations of the world, before you were ever a thought to your mom and dad, God knew where you would be in this moment, in this time, and in this hour. He knew exactly what you would do two minutes ago and two days ago. And it didn't surprise God. So let me just help you with something. If you feel like you've let God down, if you feel like you've missed it, if you feel like, man, if I can only go back and change things, let me help you. Right now, you are in the perfect will of God in this moment, in this time, and in this second. Because God knew what you would do to get you here. And so right here doesn't surprise God. So right here is the perfect plan of God. Now, if you say, I know there's more, then we just make the adjustments to correct from here. But right now, I'm right with God. Are you tracking with me this morning? Say it with me. Say, I'm right with God. I'm pleasing to God. God's not mad at me. Come on, say it like you mean it. God's not mad at me. He loves me. He adores me. He wants to spend time with me. I'm special to Him. I'm special to Him. Come on, you don't sound real convinced. I said, you're special to God right now. If you were the only person on this earth, He would have done it just for you. Because He loves you. And he says, you're right with me. Come on, that would help somebody if you could grab hold of that. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. I'm just going to read a little portion of Scripture here. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God. Everybody say the righteousness of God. But now the righteousness of God from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption or the purchase price that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by, the, by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be justifier, just that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 27. Where is boasting then? Is it excluded? By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Notice what it said. God's whole intent and purpose for Jesus was to make us righteous. Let me share with you... Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Listen to what it says. It tells us what the whole book of Romans is about. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew first and then also to the Greek. For there is, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what does that say? 
it says that the Gospels, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, reveals the righteousness of God. Everything about the Word of God points to Jesus. Everything about the four Gospels that you see Jesus living and ministering on the earth was to point you to Jesus and Him making you right with God. Come on, that's good news. Because you don't have to earn it. Jesus did it. You don't have to fight for it. Jesus did it. And He says, all we have to do is have faith to receive it. But He says, It's faith in the blood. What made what Jesus did, what he did, so significant? It was that Jesus shed his blood. It was the blood of Jesus that purchased or redeemed us from our past life, from sin. Come on, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. Did you know that the Bible says that the blood of Jesus is in constant view by God? Do you recall, you remember the story of Jesus when when he rose from the grave and there was Martha that came to the grave and Jesus appeared to her and he says, don't touch me. I've not ascended to the Father yet. What was he ascending for? He was ascending to take his blood that was shed to the mercy seat and the mercy seat sits before God in heaven And God is in constant view of the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? That means every time you miss it, every time you fail, every time you make a mistake, God sees the blood. And He don't see you through the mistake. He sees you through the blood. Come on. There was a price for you and I to be free. Can you say amen? There's something that was known about the temple in the Old Testament. The Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, when they would come to worship, remember they said, we were glad when they said unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. When they would go into the temple, the Bible says that the priest would sprinkle blood on the instruments. He would sprinkle blood on the musicians' instruments as they led worship. And then he did something very significant. As all the congregation was gathered, he would sprinkle blood on them. Well, that's pretty gross. But they were glad to come into the house of the Lord because what that represented, there was a sacrifice that was made. And God said, when you make the sacrifice, the shedding of blood, that brings about forgiveness. But it said that it was only to cover sin, not remove it. And so they were thankful to come into the house of God and be free from their sins, their faults, their shames. And so they walked out of church having blood on them. They saw their neighbor. I walked out with Adrian and he's got little splats of blood on him. And looking at him, I wasn't like, oh, gross. I'm like, you're forgiven. Look at what God did. And he's looking at me saying, ha, you've got blood on you too. You're forgiven. And we walk out giving God praise. But the Bible says that Jesus shed his blood once 
and for all. And as a result, think about this. From the New Testament standard, everything that we do when we worship God, it sprinkles blood. Again, I'm talking figuratively. When we worship, when they lead us in worship, and we talk about that place of freedom, what's it doing? It's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to the sacrifice. It's pointing to the blood that was shed. When we preach the word, what's the word do? It points to Jesus and it expresses the blood that was shed for us to be free. So every time we come to the house of the Lord, when you bring your family and your children to church, what are you doing? You're helping them know you're free. You're accepted. Do you know why? Do you know why there's so much divorce Within a church, it's the same across the board. But for a man, it's because he don't feel honored. For a woman, she don't feel provided for or taken care of. And God says when it comes to the relationship between us and God, it's the same way. He wants us to know that I honor you. That I'll take care of you. And I shed my blood To prove it. How many children are raised in this world today. Not knowing that they're loved by a mom and dad. Not having acceptance within the home. Not being provided for. And they live this life not knowing how good God wants them to to experience life. When we come to church. When we raise our families in church. What do we do? We're helping them know the love of God. You're free. You're accepted, you're chosen, you're valuable, and I'll take care of you. That's the heart of God. Can you say amen? Let me just wrap it up with this. When you think about freedom, freedom always comes at the cost of the shedding of blood. Over the course of a year, we celebrate a couple different things. One, we celebrate Memorial Day. We celebrate the 4th of July. The 4th of July represents the Declaration of Independence. Do you know why there is a Declaration of Independence? Do you know why we celebrate Memorial Day? Do you know why we celebrate our freedom? Every time we celebrate for 4th of July... We're saying, thank you for the blood. Because it was blood that was shed to give us our freedom. You tracking with me? We're like, oh, praise the Lord, it's 4th of July. What a wonderful day. But every time that we celebrate the 4th of July, every time we have the declaration or celebration of the Declaration of Independence, it's the celebration of blood that was shed. When we come into church and we worship Him, what are we doing? We're celebrating that blood was shed for me. And therefore, I can come to God being free before Him. Can you say amen? Amen. The Declaration of Independence. Now, notice this. The Bible says that you're righteous because of the blood. And the Bible also says this in in Revelation chapter uh, 22, I believe. But it says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So blood always has to be shed, but there always has to be the proclamation of freedom. 
Your mouth, the words that come out of your mouth are the things that bind you, enslave you, or keep you free, or cause you to be free. In fact, Paul said this. Paul said, the word is near you, even in your mouth. If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. How did you receive Christ into your life? You made a profession or a confession to say, I received. And why did you have the ability to make that confession in the first place? Because blood was shed. Amen? So we have the opportunity to know him personally through the blood that was shed before us. I'll close with this verse, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. They got it up on the screen. There we go. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23 Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith or our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Amen. Look at verse 22 again. Go back there. Let's read it one more time. Let us draw near with a true heart of assurance of faith. That means I can come confidently. Having your conscience sprinkled from an evil conscience. You know what that word, evil conscience, in one translation it says, Harassment. Condemnation. Do you know why we struggle so much in this world? Because we walk around being harassed, being tormented by the past. If you knew the power of the blood of Jesus, that your conscience was sprinkled through that blood, It would stop the harassment of your past. And you could stand firm and say, my past is gone. I'm free in Jesus. I've confessed him as Lord. And therefore, I can confess boldly who I am in him. And I'm righteous. I'm right with God. And if you know you're right with God, it changes everything about your life. It'll change how you interact with your spouse. Come on. Why? Much of what we spat about is because of the inner turmoil that's going on. The harassment, the thoughts, the the, the stress of life. But if we understood that the blood of Jesus will quiet that sin conscious and the harassment, we can love our spouses freely, our kids openly. Come to church willingly because of the blood of Jesus. Knowing that I'm right with God. Amen. Let's stand. Amen. We're going to continue on this for the next couple weeks. Because I really want us to understand. I know that this is a lot to digest what we talked about this morning. But listen, the blood of Jesus is so precious. There are songs that we sang back in the day. Oh, the blood of Jesus. You remember that song? It washes white as snow. The blood of Jesus is what makes the difference. It's His blood that has made us right. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you have felt the weight of condemnation, if you have felt the pressures of life, if you have felt the hauntings of the past, of the deeds, of the faults, of the failures, I want you to know right now the blood of Jesus has made the slate clean and in God's eyes there is no past. If the blood of Jesus has the power to remove from the mind of God your past, it has the power to remove the past from your mind. I want you to give yourself the permission right now to say, God, I receive my place in you. I receive my righteousness. I step into my right standing with you. And if you don't see the past, I'll choose not to as well. And in that is the place of freedom. Oh, we praise God. If you're here in this place, I'm going to give a couple different invitations. Number one, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you've never asked God to bring you into that relationship, I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you feel like you've let God down and you feel like you've been a million miles away from God, I want you to know He's only as close as the mention of His name. And right now, He'll restore you back into fellowship. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity just to receive from God. And if you're here today and you feel that the condemnation, the cares of life, the struggles of the past have dogged you, haunted you, have pestered you, I want to pray for you because right now the blood of Jesus is going to erase from your memory the power of the past and the freedom of what Christ did is going to set you in a new place. With nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, in one of those invitations, you want to receive Christ, you want to come back into fellowship with God, or you want to be free from the hauntings of the past and the memories, on the count of three, I want you to boldly raise your hand. I'm not going to invite you up front. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand boldly because that's my declaration. I'm going to be free today. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Hands all over. Hands all over. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hold them up once again. I just want to count your hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Amen. He can put them down. Listen, eleven people this morning says, I want to receive from God. I want to be free this morning. That's so awesome. And God's going to do it right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you just pray with me out loud. And if you wish you should have or could have or know that that was God pulling on your heart and you didn't raise your hand, I just want you to pray this prayer with me because God will meet you where you're at. Amen. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I receive the gift of salvation and your righteousness. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. He went to hell, but he rose from the grave. I believe 
that he did it for me. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. God, through Jesus, make make righteousness a revelation to my heart right now. Help me forget the past. And I ask you right now, and I make the choice, and I make the declaration that by the blood of Jesus and faith in that blood, I am righteous. I am free. The past is gone. It's no more. Today is a fresh slate, a fresh start. I'm new, and the future's bright. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Right now, something changed. You're going to leave this place and you're going to say, Why do I feel the way that I feel? I feel light. I feel free. It's because of what you just did. You overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word or the confession of your testimony. And you said, I'm free. Amen. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Amen. Before I let you go, I'm going to share this joke with you, but it goes into what we're talking about. There was a man and a woman, they went into a pet shop. And as they walked in, there was a parrot that was standing there or sitting there in the cage. And as they walked by, the parrot said to the man, he says, hey, mister. He says, what? He says, your wife is really ugly. He said, what'd you say? He said, you heard me. Your wife is really ugly. He went over to the pet shop owner. He says, I'm extremely offended. Your parrot just told me that my wife was ugly. Well, the pet shop owner went over there to the parrot, grabbed the parrot up, says, I can't believe you said that. Don't you ever say that again. Slapped him up, pulled a couple feathers out of the bird and says, now don't you do that again. So the man and the woman, they walked around the pet shop a little bit longer. And they started to walk out. And the parrot said, hey, mister. And he says, what? Well, you know what. When the enemy, when the devil comes talking on and wants to rewind, rewind the, the, the film of the past, you say, hey, devil. He's going to say what? You say, you know what. I'm free. I'm righteous because of the blood. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Dismiss you. We'll see you Wednesday or next Sunday. God bless you. We love you. Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life